Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. A New York-based venture capital fund is investing in the future of food. Excel Foods was founded five years ago by two working moms. They specialize in early-stage food and beverage companies, and I am joined on this podcast now by Excel Foods co-founder, Jordan Gasper. It's so great to have you here, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. So you have $90 million under assets, about 36 uh, companies you're dealing with, names like Roar, um, Bear, Skinny Dipped. Uh, these are interesting names. I like these names. What do you look for? What's the criteria when you're looking to invest in a company? So we always say that we're looking to invest in the people first. Um, Excel Foods has been founded on the principle of really choosing great partners. And so at our stage of investing, it's all about the jockey. We're investing early in, into companies that are sort of in the beginning of their cycle. And we have to really believe in the founders, their story, their conviction. Um, we always like to say it's resourcefulness, resilience, and relentlessness. Mm, the three R's. Okay. So, but when it comes to their brands and their products and what it is they're selling, what do you look for? Market opportunities. You know, we want to obviously be investing into the market. So we say um, they need to have the capability to become a $100 million brand um, fairly quickly. Um, we do uh, want to, you know, sort of prioritize in our model challenger brands. Um, so we, you know, we used to say disruptive brands, but I think that we've sort of morphed that a little bit into, you know, brands that are really challenging traditional norms, whether it be unique go-to-market strategies. Um, they're challenging the incumbents on shelf with unique ingredient formula, uh, you know, formations. I think from our perspective, it has to be a new innovation that's coming on shelf. So talk to me about some of the companies you have found that fit that criteria and and what does the future look like for them? So, you know, a lot of people like to focus right now on Four Sigmatic, which has certainly become a high profile company in our portfolio. We invested in 2014 into the Mushroom Mission, <laughs> but um, it is a mushroom-based platform that really has become a leader in functional beverage. Um, it's, you know, the preeminent products are uh, functional coffee, and so each varietal mushroom has a different health benefit. Mm. You know, Cordyceps is for performance and Chaga is for immunity, um, but it really has become an extendable platform. We're now in matcha. Um, we're in charcoal lemonade, um, and all of them are you know, sort of powder-based beverages, though we did recently introduce a, a shot. Wow, cool. So, I mean, it's tough to find the shelf space, right? I mean, there's so much competition out there. You're going up against the more traditional names. How are you helping these brands find their way, find their footprint in this crowded place? So I think that it used to be harder to find shelf space. You know, that has changed recently. The retailers have really developed a strong conviction around working with earlier stage companies. Um, there has been a reprioritization on shelf of bringing in innovation, bringing in you know, sort of new, young, authentic brands. Um, so I do think shelf, shelf space more broadly has shifted uh, and has opened up. But beyond that, you know, we are specialists and we're a specialist fund, so we only invest in packaged food and beverage brands, which gives us a unique perch where we do business with most of the major retailers, um, where we'll actually bring the brands in for you know, many site visits, um, you know, sort of leadership-based events that allow the brands to introduce themselves. And it's a great opportunity for them to set best practices in building their partnerships with great organizations like Wegmans and um, you know, other... Kroger. You know, are you in Kroger or uh, Whole Foods? You know, we have great relationships with all the retailers. I mean, you know, I think it just depends on in each is, you know, case by case the way that we work with them. Um, with some, we'll go in and we'll do site visits where we actually bring brands on site to sit down with the buyers. 
others. Um, you know, it'll be you know uh, more on uh, an educational-based relationship. So um, I think that you know Kroger's clearly made uh, you know great strides. You know, particularly in in taking over for you know sort of some of the place that Whole Foods has left and some of the openings that's been left in the market. Um, but we actually spend a fair amount of time with Wegmans. Okay, yeah. I mean, that is a huge superstore if there if there ever was one in terms of grocery. Do you find that stores, um, the names that we're all familiar with, are giving more shelf space to, dare I say, healthier food? I mean, healthier foods is a very large <clears throat> umbrella. But do you feel that that's what's happening? Is that the trend? You know, I don't think that we see healthy foods as a trend anymore. We see it as the next lifestyle that everybody will have. And so, you know, whereas it used to be, um, you know, we were investing in niche products, at this point, you know, this is the future. We don't even see companies coming into the market that aren't healthy, live and directed at this point. So meaning that they are really taking care of their ingredients, the ingredient label. They understand that people are really looking at that now. Right. So clean ingredients, natural products, better for you, premium products. You know, this is the next generation. You know, you know I, I do feel really strongly that five years from now, the products on shelf will be completely different than what we grew up with. You know, and so, you know, whereas it used to be you know, this was a unique product that had come to market, whether it be these authentic brands gaining scale pretty quickly or the incumbents innovating and launching their own organic versions, we will not see the same the same products on shelf in a couple of years. But I mean, you're you're talking about Kraft Foods, PepsiCo, yep. Coca-Cola, which have huge food components to their to their conglomerates as well. Do you think that some of those brands will go away, or there will just be they'll be there, but they're going to have more competition? I think that they they won't go away, but they're going to have to innovate, and so they will either be buying younger brands, they'll be investing in younger brands, they're using their resources to build new brands. Um, they are reinventing their existing formulas. They're changing their holdings overnight. The beverage players that were in soda are all going into water. You know, thinking about how can we prioritize low sugar alternatives. So it's, I don't think anybody's going anywhere. Um, I think we do see a lot of consolidation going on, and that is something that's going to probably continue. Um, particularly as you know, parties are trying to figure out how to share resources um, and how to prioritize distribution more generally. You talk about beverage companies looking for new growth opportunities. What about cannabis and the CBD market? Are you guys looking at that uh, at all? I, like everybody else. Uh. Uh, it's a huge focus right now for Excel Foods and every other organization in our industry. Down to the manufacturers, to the retailers, this is the topic of the day. Is who's getting into CBD, who's going into cannabis, and when are they going to do it? The entire system is set up and ready to go. Um, so We're just waiting for regulation, I guess. We, and, yeah, yeah, no, and and it's it's an under you know sort of ground part of what's happening is that the co-packers are ready to go, the lines are set, you know, the uh, retailers are all exploring the regulatory climate. Everybody's trying to figure out and you know, get their ducks in a row, make sure that nobody's going to cross any lines. Mm -hmm. But I'd say some of the larger organizations have regulatory teams already evaluating it, and so it's a really quiet part of the industry right now that we could see huge law firms that are behind the scenes figuring out how to make sure to protect their clients. Yeah, you bet they're, they're going to be making some money amidst all this. Uh, one of the big challenges for the industry overall is cost and how you get these healthier foods, foods with healthier ingredients into the hands of many. Um, do you find that, that what, I, well, what is the sort of cost structure for the companies that you're dealing with? Do they tend to be more high end? So, so the biggest cost structure is going to be on distribution. The logistics mm. side is very complicated, and we are going into an increasing logistics crisis. So as we think about, we invest in a lot of cold chain products, you know, and also frozen products. So you know, we have some very strong partnerships, uh, some that are public and some that are not, 
that can really help our companies scale um, because we're actually able to put those brands on trucks to get them to the retailers. Talk to me about how you're doing that and how food delivery, I mean, just talking about getting the food to us at our door is changing. So it used to be that mom would go and buy, and I say mom because it is traditionally mom who's doing the purchasing. Mom would go and she'd shop at her local retailer and it would be all brick and mortar based sales. But as we've seen, e-tail has really shifted the purchasing habits. And, you know, whether being the New York area, you know, we all are fresh direct and food kit consumers. Um, Amazon clearly has is in all of our homes and very ways and you know some people uh, more than others are enjoying Amazon fresh um, the you know, sort of merger or I say acquisition by Amazon of Whole Foods has shifted that and so we now have a hybrid model where there's brick and mortar combined with the you know sort of uh, more digital capabilities of the you know such a huge organization like Amazon so mm-hmm. I think that things have changed considerably um, it changes the way people think about the consumer dynamics the insights that are used in terms of purchasing decisions you know how do we um, which products are we actually investing in you know as I mentioned we are an investor in Four Sigmatic and it's an interesting case study because that's a business that was really built online originally through the, the company's own website and then on Amazon. And through their scale and their success, Whole Foods Global brought them in. Mm-hmm. And so it shows you that there's also some reverse engineering that's starting to happen as direct-to-consumer channels have opened up and really gained consumers. Let's go back to the question of cost. Uh, what can you do? I mean, you're part of the conversation. You're in this industry. Overall, what can the industry do to bring costs down to make these foods accessible to more people, especially in lower income areas? So the cost problem is, is as I mentioned, logistics. Right. Um, I think the cost problem is actually also an ingredient-based problem. You know, the food supply is getting more expensive as we're prioritizing transparency and clean ingredients and clean farming practices. So, you know, we have to really go down to the base of this industry and the actual ingredients themselves have to become cheaper in order for the packaged versions of those products to be as well. Now, you and your partner, uh, Lauren, uh, are both working moms. Uh, you founded this company. How did that sort of help shape the philosophy of the company and how you're investing the fund's money? Absolutely. Um, so when we founded Excel, I had just had my second child. Um, I think at the time, Lauren was engaged. You know, so okay. this was even predated her having children. And um, my daughter was, I was eight and a half months pregnant with Lauren and I met. <laughs> great time to start a company. It was a great time. Um, and so I, I do remember, you know, I remember getting cleared from, um, ha- you know, having a baby to go on my first trade show visit. Uh, okay. <laughs> but um, it really did guide that at the time I had a two and a half year old at home and I had a brand new baby. And my children had never come up having eaten the staple baby food and toddler food, you know, that, that you, know, you, you grew would, up that on. That I grew right. up on, that you grew up on. So, you know, if we think about the generation that, you know, we are now raising, my children grew up on only organic and natural products. And so I started to become highly aware of that whatever I may buy for myself, I buy something completely different for them. Isn't and it funny how we think that way? It's like, oh, we don't matter. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. It shouldn't be that way, though. But, but it is. And so we want the best for our kids. So we invest heavily into them, their educations, what they put in their, their bodies, you know, sort of making sure that they have everything that they need. And eventually a byproduct is that we start to do the same thing for ourselves and we actually adopt their lifestyles. 
And so if we think about, you know, we invest in allergen-friendly foods, for example. In the allergen-friendly market, you know, it'll be one family member that has an affliction that the entire family will purchase around. Mm -hmm. And so if mom is buying healthier products for their babies and their toddlers, eventually mom will start buying those products for herself and for her husband and everyone else around her. Sure, makes sense, makes sense. What is, so I understand that you have uh, recently brought on a new brand and you're going to talk to us about that. What is, I, I know nothing about this. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So what's the name of the company and what do they do? So we just closed on Alpha Foods, which we're super excited about. Um, the founder is Lauren Wallace, who actually was the founder of Good Karma, which Dean Foods bought in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren is considered to be a pioneer in plant protein. Um, and Another hot area. Great area. So um, uh, Alpha is a plant-based protein platform in convenient formats like burritos and tamales Mm. and uh, pot pies. And so they're really trying to innovate on handheld and sort of individual sort of convenient items that are plant-based. The company had an amazing year um, and recently got uh, widespread distribution in Walmart, Costco, Kroger. Everybody picked it up um, really as uh, an indication of conviction around the category, conviction around the opportunity and the team, of course. It seems like uh, if they're already in those um, stores, it's is it a pretty mature company for you to be getting involved in? We got in right at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's what we do is we really are looking for inflection points that, you know, we're coming in right before high growth. And we came in at the perfect moment for Alpha. So we're looking forward to a massive year ahead and ultimately being a leader in plant protein. So, you know, when you talk about plant protein, the big guys like Tyson Foods, right, we know them as a poultry king, are trying to get in on this. What do you see as some of the, because it, it would imagine, it would, I would think that your fund is always looking ahead, right, opportunities for the future. So where do you see food trends in 2019 and beyond? So there are two things with Excel Foods that, you know, we're very aware of, that we want to invest ahead of the market into innovation and identifying curating trends. But I also think what we've become aware of in the past couple of years is that we also are able to help frame and shape the companies that come up. And so just as much as plant protein is on the tip of everyone's tongue, and it really is, you, you nailed it, every strategic is highly focused on this right now. We recently invested in a platform called Roar, and Roar is a female-directed sports hydration beverage. And if we think about a product that has a reason for being and deserves to be in the market, it is a 10-calorie electrolyte infusion beverage mm. that's directed to women and that also could be available down the line you know, sort of to, for children and, and other members of the family. And so I think that you know, we saw an opportunity there where, of course, it's a female moment, you know, and it's certainly a time where people thinking about um, kind of the consumption habits, and we had an, um, an opportunity to help also invest in and help propel that forward. And so there's sort of two different versions of it from our perspective. You know, more uh, just anecdotally, I have children in school too. I'm seeing more and more stay-at-home dads or yep. dads who are much more involved in the rearing of the children and the household. Are you? Is it still true that women are doing most of the of the food buying for the house, or is that starting to shift? I don't have any stats, but it's it is still predominantly the the mother and then the woman in the household. Um, and it, even if it's there's a the the working dynamics have shifted. Mm-hmm. It seems like purchasing hasn't shifted quite yet. In, you know, it, in keeping pace with that, um, it may just be that the working mothers are now doing it at their desks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so most of the purchasing is still happening by women, but I think it is changing, and it is a positive evolution that you know sort of the parent or you know sort of the member of the 
of the marriage who is now responsible for the household is starting to take you know more ownership of the choices. Um, right now, it still is heavily balanced towards women. All right. Jordan Gasper of Excel Foods, thanks for stopping by and talking to us about the future of food. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.